I started doing yoga to help with my flexibility. But the more I learned, the more I realized how much more the study of yoga has to offer. Yoga has improved my physical and mental health and outlook on life. I feel that yoga can be beneficial for everyone. My mission is to share what I've learned about yoga with all the non-yogis, Joe Sixpacks, and everyday people in a down-to-earth fashion. My name is Luis, and this is the Ordinary Yogi Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Ordinary Yogi Podcast. It is, today is April 9th, so that means I'm fucking even closer to getting out of here. So this week, I'm going to talk about a few things. Uh, one, emotional vomit, what that is, and anxiety, I feel, on leaving and going back home. The importance of feedback, uh, tell a quick little story about my hood rat days and what hood rat days are, and just uh, some advice that I passed on this week and I feel it's good to give uh, out. I have a lot of old man phrases, and we'll get into that later. So first thing on emotional vomit. Um, I've talked a lot, I've talked about this a few times with different people on the importance of expressing our emotions, right? So mainly what I'm talking about is, you know, going to therapy or just talking to somebody about what I got going on. You know, a lot of, especially in deployed locations, all the stressors that we normally have are are compounded because we're in a totally different environment around different people. We don't have our normal coping mechanisms, you know, whether it be family, friends, um, you know, sometimes even drinking, uh, that's not the healthiest, but, you know, we can't just can't disconnect and go to our house and just fucking reset for the day. So a lot of times you're paying interest on the stressors that we take in every day. And, you know, being in the military and, you know, just culturally, a lot of people feel a certain way about uh, mental health and going and talking to a therapist or whatever. There's still some negative connotations out there. And especially, you know, I can only speak for the military. Uh, it left a, leaves a lot of bad taste in people's mouths. Like, oh, if I go to mental health, it's going to affect my my career. And I'm going to be looked at this way and that way and all kinds of shit. And, you know, bearing, there are certain jobs where, yeah, you need a security clearance because you're fucking working with like nuclear weapons and stuff. And if your mental health is off, yeah, you may have to may lose that clearance just for a short period until you get your, your feedback on you and then you go back. So I'm not going to say it's completely false, but you know, I guess if you zoom out, like who fucking gives a shit? We're talking about your, <laughs> your mental health, which affects you and your loved ones every single day. Um, so just kind of sharing my story a little bit is, you know, I've kind of talked about my therapy a lot just because I want to make it normal, you know. It's not a huge thing. And what I, this is how I learned, you know, it's just to not stuff it down because it will reveal itself in many other different ways, whether it just be anxiety, you know, outbursts of anger, all kinds of other shit, right? Eventually those things are going to come out. And I reached a point where I just knew it was time. I, I wish I could express, you know, what it felt like, um, like a word, but I just, one day I was sitting in my car and preparing myself mentally for another day at work. And I just, I was just tired. I was tired of putting on this mask of everything's okay and just powering through the day, knowing full well when I would get home that later, um, I would just be fucking miserable the the whole time. And I, yeah, I was just fucking exhausted. And I just feel like I cannot keep living like this every single day. So that's when I made the decision, like I'm going to go talk to somebody. And this is where the emotional vomit comes into play, right? 
uh, for those first uh, couple of sessions with my therapist, this is way back in like 2010, 2011. Um, it was literally just me, her asking a question and then me answering them and then just beginning to cry for, you know, for like fucking 40 minutes or so. Um, so I, I call it emotional vomit because, you know, I think we've all been there when we're either hungover or feeling sick, like, oh, something's wrong with my stomach. And like in the back of your head, like, man, I fucking, I need to puke. I need to puke. I don't want to do it because nobody likes throwing up, right? It's a horrible feeling being hunched over the toilet and just retching and ugh, it fucking sucks. But I guarantee you that every time, whether you're hungover or sick, and you puke out whatever is inside of you, you feel a little bit better, right? Your stomach feels like, okay, I can, I can survive now for a little bit longer. And that's what I feel, you know, this emotional vomit is. We have all this fucking gunk inside of us that if we just start talking about it and allow ourselves to let that stuff come out, like puke, um, it feels, doesn't feel great while you're doing it, but afterwards you just feel lighter. And that's kind of how I felt going into those first few sessions. And, you know, as I continued to go, it became less and less and less, but it was just those the first times that it, it was pretty painful, but it was all good afterwards. And I've had this conversation, I've told people for a, a few times on my deployment here because, you know, being a military, um, being a man, we're, we're often um, not told, but just, you know, societal pressures again, fucking, we have to hold it together all the time and be stoic and fucking, you know, this is my, my, perspe- my perception, right? And it, it just wears on you after a while. And like I said, if you keep stuffing it down, it reveals itself in other ways. And it's just just highlighting the importance of getting that puke out of you, that emotional vomit, and just getting it out. Um, just wanted to highlight that, and it's something I've learned, and I just keep on preaching every talk I have with a, a subordinate or airman, whatever, and they're feeling like that. I always say, hey, have you thought about talking to somebody about this? And I give them my experience. I have no fucking shame sharing my story. And uh, you know, hopefully they take it. Hopefully, hopefully they act on it. But just you know, want to highlight that a little bit. Uh, the next thing I want to talk about is um, me leaving here soon in a couple weeks, few weeks. I can't give exact dates. And, you know, I have a lot of feelings. Obviously, I'm, I'm really happy um, that I'm going to be out of here, going back to Cheyenne, Wyoming, and eventually being reunited with my family. But, you know, in the back of my head, I do have a little anxiety about the whole thing. I've mentioned it on a couple episodes during this deployment phase that I'm in, is, uh, you know, when we leave home, uh, we tend to think that we just hit pause on what's going on back at home. And then we come back, we boop, we hit the button and it's unpause. And that's a hard lesson. I learned that that doesn't happen. You know, when you're away, as much as it sucks, you know, my wife and kid created a life without me and as they should, right? They need to get by. I'm not there anymore to carry the weight that I was used to, that they're used to me carrying. And now that I go back, I have to kind of wiggle my way back into that life. And that change, that adjustment for everybody is going to cause some turbulence. And I've, I'm not saying it's absolutely going to happen. It's going to be this horrible thing. But it's just something I like to preach to all the new guys that this maybe this be their first deployment and they have a wife and family back at home. That, you know, if that does happen, it is very, very normal. And just to, to see counseling if it becomes a little too much to handle. So I, I do have a little bit of anxiety. You know, when I left home, Sonny was, he was beginning to walk. And it was awesome to be able to be there and for that. Um, but now he's super mobile, just running around all over the place, getting into everything. And I'm a little nervous that I wasn't there to see this like slow progression of like, oh shit, now you can do this. Now you can do this. 
it's going to be a huge jump from, you know, kind of barely walking around to fully running and getting in everything. So part of me is afraid of um, my patience is very, very thin because I have to adjust to this toddler now, not not a baby anymore. Um, but I, I will say, you know, not to fucking toot my own horn, but being out here, I feel is kind of really, um, it made me improve my patience. I don't know. It's, it's, I feel a little more calm now, but, but we'll find out when I'm in the house with a toddler. Um, also, you know, work life, getting settled back into that. What does that look like? A lot of people have left. A lot of new people have come into the shop that I am back at Cheyenne. And also, you know, the yoga teaching that I do, what does that look like now? Do I want to continue doing that on the side? Do I want to pursue something else? Um, so a lot of things are, are on my, on my, on my head. So how do I, you know, deal with this? It's just managing expectations as much as possible. Again, um, knowing that there might be some turbulence and that's okay, right? We can adjust to just about everything. And that's the one thing I, I feel the military teaches you very well is how to adapt to a lot of different things being thrown at you. Uh, plans change all the time. Uh, but, and we just adjust fire as much as we can. And we, we make it through as shit gets done and we send it. That's what I've come to learn. And that's what made me very, uh, I can adapt to just about anything I feel. Uh, and my wife <laughs> unfortunately has to come along with me and she, she does a good that did a good job of adjusting as well. Um, so, just, but the big thing is just managing the expectations, right? It's not gonna be picture perfect. I just have to focus on the the big things. Like I'm gonna be back with my family, and that's the most important thing out of all of this. I'm gonna get back to creating a life and raising a son, and you know, being a fucking remote dad is not fun. And as much as it may test my patience to be with a toddler, I would fucking rather be there than be here and be far away. Um, so that's you know my anxiety on you know me going back home. And it's just something I, I wanted to share because, you know, when people think, oh, you're going home, it's so awesome. And it is, don't get me wrong, but there's also a lot more that goes into it, you know, um, mainly because, you know, most civilians don't understand, like, the deployment life. You know, if I were to, if I were to go to fucking Starbucks and like, hey, John, yes, and I know you got a life here with you and your family, but I need you to pack all your shit and you're going to leave for six months. So, you know, hurry up, hop to it. Most likely, John would probably fucking like, all right, yeah, I'm going to quit. Uh, but here in the military, we don't have that. We don't have that choice, right? I mean, we do, but not really. Uh, what else happened this week? So this week, also, I gave a lot of feedbacks on uh, people's performance, and this is just like a not a have to do, but more of a nice to do to folks. You know, we we look at their performance here, the six months that they were here, and me, you know, with my experience, I get to kind of see like, well, you know, you could work on this to improve yourself, and you know, yada yada yada. So, you know, why does this happen? Well, the feedbacks are a big thing and and I think any job, really, you know, you this is how you measure performance. These are my expectations of you in this position. Um you lay them down pretty plain and simple. And then during the feedback session you say, "Well, you did this, but you didn't do this." And it's a good measuring tool, right? And these are very important for a, a couple reasons. First, to ultimately to improve the person, you know, you want to make them grow, challenge them. And, you know, essentially make there you're making your replacement. The second thing is more of a more of a sneaky, you know, is if that person if you end up marking that person down a little bit on their you know evaluation and they want to fight that, you can refer back to that feedback saying, hey, I told you to do this, this and this. We agreed to this. Oh, we signed this paper saying I did that. Uh, that I was going to do that. And you didn't. So this is why I'm marking you down. So kind of CYA as well. 
Um, and the, the big thing about the feedback is it takes a real candid conversation, right? Nobody likes to have these conversations on like, yeah, you kind of suck, dude. Um, but this is how you cannot suck so much. Um, you don't say it like that. There's definitely an art to it of, you know, giving someone these improvements or, you know, ways to improve. Uh, the the best way I found and how I did it every time is really asking the person, what do you want out of your military career? And I think that's the biggest thing is tailoring it to the person. Not everybody wants to fucking explode up the ranks and be in charge of everybody. Other people are very, very happy being specialists and technicians of their job because they love their craft. And then you can tailor your feedback to them, right? A lot of guys I had weren't too concerned about making rank or they just made rank and they want to be proficient in the one that they are. And I really admire that about them and being honest uh, with me about it. So there's definitely a way to, to season the shit sandwich a little bit, you know? Um, but again, it takes that honest feedback and telling them how I saw you fall short. And I, I feel like that's not a big thing now. I think everyone likes to sugarcoat things and kind of beat around the bush, but you're really doing a disservice to that person. Um, you want them to be better, right? And by by doing that, you have to challenge them and challenge the way they they see and they and reveal that unknown. Like if they don't know that they're falling short on something, how are they going to improve on it, right? That's that's uh, another thing on the on the feedbacks. And I did a lot of them. I did about eighteen. It was very exhausting uh, emotionally because you never know how they're going to go, right? That's the that's another other cool thing about it is the other person. One person can be very very receptive to your feedback and be like, oh, okay, thank you for saying that. Yada, yada. That's, you know, most of the time that's what I had, but every once in a while you get that person that's very, very defensive and wants to kind of fight what you want to say. And you got to like kind of maneuver and play a chess game on trying to make them see what you're seeing, which is kind of, can be kind of difficult. So that was the, the fucking, the feedback things. Um, it's not my favorite thing to do, but it's a necessary thing to do to make that person better, which makes me it kind of a thing I'd like to do. Uh, also, um, I don't know why this story popped in my head the other day. I'm uh, talking about my hood rat days. So, you know, for if you don't know what a hood rat is, you know, I just Google it. I call them hood rat days because there were days when I was young and single and just doing stupid stuff. Um, you know, drinking a lot and just being silly, which I think is an important part of your life, right? You gotta, gotta have some hood rat days in your, in your, to get it out of your system, right? To, to get it done. And then you don't have to go back to it anymore once it's done. Uh, so this particular story is uh, how I destroyed um, a dining table chair. Uh, I was stationed in Germany at the time, and uh, it's, it's nothing really too much to story. I got incredibly drunk, um, which I tended to do a lot that during that period of my life. And there is a, a dining table chair, and I was like, you know what would be fun? If I just smash the shit out of this thing. And it wasn't mine. It was some... It was a neighbor of the person's house I was at. They were we were all outside, kind of partying. Everyone had else had gone to sleep, or I don't know how we got separated. But it was just me and a few other friends outside. And I was like, you know, let's fucking break this thing. So I just went at it. Like I started kicking it, ripping off the legs, destroying the back, tearing the cushion off. And once it was like you couldn't tell it was a chair anymore, I was like, all right, my job's here is done. And you know, I went back inside and passed out. The <laughs> The funny part and part I'm not so proud of is the next morning, the the owner of the chair came out and was like, what the fuck happened? Like, who did this? Because it was a pretty, like, you know, you got the whole set. It's a pretty nice chair. And he started yelling at his friend who he thought was the one that destroyed the chair. 
um, I kind of just stood idly by and just kept my mouth shut the whole time. And my friends that were there that saw me destroy it, thank God they were like ride or die. They didn't say a single word. So I just saw this person that owned the chair berate <laughs> this other person who didn't for a good uh, about 10 to 15 minutes, like just calling him a liar and just fucking going at it. And they're super mad at each other. To this day, I don't think he knows that I destroyed his chair. But uh, that was one of my stories that I'm not incredibly proud of, but it's also kind of funny if you were there because once those two guys went inside, my friends and I all looked at each other and were like, oh shit, thank you for not saying anything. Uh, let's not talk about this ever again. Anyway, so that's a hood rat story. I got a couple of them. I didn't go too wild in my young days, but there's some funny stories in there. Uh, the very last thing or last lesson I wanted to throw out there, something I, I learned again or you know told uh, some airmen uh, this week were, you know, wooden nickels. Don't take anybody's wooden nickels. And, you know, you if you ask my wife, I have tons of old man phrases that she calls them. Um, the first time I ever told her one, she didn't understand what the hell I was saying. It's kind of an interesting story. We were driving down the road and she was saying how she heard one of her friends or somebody was asking for advice. She had given them the advice and they decided not to follow that advice. To which I replied, well, well, I mean, you can lead a horse to water. And I left it there. And I felt my wife's eyes, she was my girlfriend at the time, uh, looking at me. And she was like, uh-huh. Like she wanted me to finish the sentence. And I did. I was like, you can't make it, drink it? And I had to explain like the, the whole phrase. So I have a lot of those. And a lot of times I have to explain them. But anyway, the wooden nickels is another one I had to explain. And so let me give you a scenario. If you don't know what it means, if I were to give you a handful of wooden nickels, what could you possibly do with those things? Could you like buy anything with them? Fuck no, you can't, right? Because they have absolutely no value. So when someone tells you don't take anybody's wooden nickels, it means that you're going to go through this life and people are going to give you things that have absolutely no fucking value. And what that means is, you know, it could be, uh, you know, you can't do this or you're, you shouldn't be doing that or whatever. It's things that just kind of are meant to kind of tear you down and they add no value to your life. So when I say don't take anybody's wooden nickels, I'm essentially doing don't take anybody's shit um, because people are going to try to give you their wooden nickels and they, and they have no value to you. So when that happens, to just kindly say no thank you, you know, internally, just nod your head and go, mm, mm-hmm. but in your head be like, I'm not going to let this affect me at all because that's going to happen a lot. And what sucks is, you know, it could be people that we're very close to. Uh, it could be family and they're doing their best, but again, it gives you which is you have your own story, no value. So do not take anybody's wooden nickels. And the last thing before I close it out, something I've learned a lot on this deployment is to continue letting your light shine. Um, I was very, really self-conscious a lot of the time when I'm like, oh yeah, I'm a yoga instructor. I like, you know, meditating and yada, yada, yada. And I was like, because, you know, it's woo-woo and being in the military, being a dude, it's it, it causes some like, oh, you're kind of weird, dude. But the more I leaned into it, the more I, sh- you know, shined that piece of me, the more people I found that affected, the more, you know, people that were supposed to gravitate towards that were gravitating towards me. And it just kind of showed me that no matter what you're into, whatever, right, just shine your fucking light, man, because the right it's going to attract the right people and you're going to have an effect on them. And it's such a fucking humbling and wonderful feeling when it when it finally does happen and uh that is it that is all i have this week i appreciate everybody listening 
I should only have maybe two more episodes on this shit, <laughs> then I'll, go, I'll be back in the States. That's what just kind of makes me smile to say. Thank you for all the support. If you have any comments, questions, concerns, please send me a message, an email. If you like what you're listening to, leave a rating review or follow along, share with your friends, whatever, man. Um, and I'll talk to you all next week. <laughs>